Hello to football supporters around the world, and especially here in Thailand, welcome to the Portcast Podcast, with news, views, and profiles of the supporters of Thai Port FC, or as they say in Thai, Tarua FC. And now, here's your host. Arguably the most knowledgeable Port FC supporter this side of Janet the Hutt. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Earl. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Today we are again revisiting an old guest. I think we last had Peter on about 10 episodes ago, something like that. And uh, so, Peter Shepherd, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be back. If only... If, if only, only by the, extremely uh... <laughs> long distance and technology. Yeah. So, um, where where are you? And uh, more importantly, what are you drinking? Well, I'm at my house or my apartment in the southern regions of uh, Stockholm, Sweden, my home, my hometown. Uh, where I've been for the past about three and a half months now, I think. Um, got out just before everything hit the fan <laughs> in Thailand. Um, but what am I drinking? Well, I was actually going to go to the, to the, let's call it liquor dispensary because there's only one chain of stores that is allowed to sell alcohol stronger than three and a half percent in Sweden which is a different question we don't have to get into that but um I was just for the occasion I figured I was going to go get some Leos however when I checked the website it turned out they were only in stock at one location which is about a 50 minute one-way drive for me mm-hmm. so I skipped that I got the 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 second best thing if you want to call it that the Boone Road brew the boon road second second brew singer okay good stuff you you made the effort so, good to see yeah yeah i mean i'm i didn't even know you could get leo i mean definitely back in the day when i was in england you could get sing after yeah. a while you could get chang but i never i never saw leo for sale no it's only been around for a few years here and now it seems to be it only seems to be a few locations carrying it and you can probably order it wherever you are, but uh, they used to sell it at my local, my local shop, but not anymore. Probably didn't sell as much. I think Singer and, and Chang are probably the most popular ones with sweets still. Yeah. Um, they're, they're behind the times. I, I actually did a quiz, <laughs> like some, some Thai based, how, how well do you know Thailand quiz? And, and one of the questions was, what's the biggest selling beer in Thailand? And the three options were Sing, Chang and Leo. And I guess, Leo, I was right. And it was 40%. Apparently 40% of beer sales are actually Leo, which, I mean, I'm not surprised it was number one, but I'm surprised it's that many. I yeah, thought I would Chang have... would have been more represented, but clearly the, the, uh, the Thai people are switched on. Yeah, they get <laughs> it. They know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's been... For for some time now, it's been like Leo is a local, is a local Chang is tourist and and like and singers 
high sub. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Peter, um, it's it's good time to have a chat with you because um, you've always been obviously a big football enthusiast. You've got your um, Twitter account, which you talk about uh, Southeast Asian football. Um, but you have recently got your first job in professional football. So uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very happy. Um, what exactly uh, will you be doing or uh, who are you working for for a start? Yeah, I'm, I'm working for um, Swedish Leagues, which is the, the organization that handles the top two divisions of Swedish football, pretty much the professional football, professional men's football in Sweden. Um, and uh, I'm doing, um, well, I have a kind of a split um, title between uh, business support and uh, league coordinator. Coordinator. So basically, I'm, I'm, and I'm working. I'm focusing on like the digital aspects of, of, of mainly the sponsorship or the partnership agreements, um, which is like just making sure that. The partnership agreements are fulfilled at the end of mostly making sure that the clubs fulfill what is written in in, in terms of digital uh, rights for for partners uh, for league-wide partners and also now working on a few uh, like online campaigns for for fan engagement for the clubs in the second division okay in, in short yeah yeah, sounds interesting. So you mentioned partnership agreements between the league and clubs. What kind of partnerships are there uh, between the, the Swedish leagues and the clubs? Well, it's it's not between Swedish leagues and the clubs because the the clubs own Swedish leagues. Like Swedish leagues is basically it's an interest organisation for the clubs. Like it's member member controlled. Like all the there's 32 clubs in the top two divisions and those 32 clubs are the members of the organization. So, so they, they pay a fee to, to be members. And is that what finances the organization? No, no, the, no, no, the, the, we pretty much, the organization raises money for the clubs. Like the, the partnerships are like Swedish leagues, well, control the, 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 the common rights, like the, TV, the, the broadcasting rights. Oh, I see, uh, like, I see. Like, and the main, the main rights are negotiated centrally. So, Swedish leagues controls the, the, the central rights and then dis dispenses money between, you know, for the clubs. Like, so, um, we're making sure they fulfill the agreements so that they can get all the money they're entitled to as long as they fulfill them. I see, I uh, see. Oh, that's kind of what I'm doing. That's not what the organization's doing, but that's my my role in, in the whole thing. Uh, so no, yeah, it's it's more it's an interest organization. It's not so the agreements aren't between Swedish leagues and the clubs. The agreements are between Swedish leagues that represents all the clubs and the partners. Okay. Um, so do you think the same kind of thing exists between? Uh, say so the, the FAT and Thai clubs. Do you think there could be any kind of parallel? I mean, maybe the way the the, the two systems work is too different. Yeah, I think no. I, I don't think uh, the I don't think it's the same thing because 
you see, in, I mean, in Thailand, it's the it's T1, T2, or through to T4. It's all it's all organised by the by the football association. Yeah, they're all but under the, the same umbrella, the FAD. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the Swedish leagues is a separate organisation from the Swedish football association. Obviously, the football association controls the sport. They make the rules and everything, and you know the licensing and such. But the organisation in itself is 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 uh, is separate. It's um, independent from the football association. Uh, even though we we share, we, we don't share an office, but we share share a, a, a reception, <laughs> so <laughs> pretty much next to each other. Uh, and you know, obviously, close cooperation, but it's not the same organisation. It's it's very different. So I I don't think you have that kind of centralization of of league operations as you have in Sweden. I don't think you get that it's in Thailand. Mm, yeah. So you're primarily going to be working, uh, you said, with digital channels. So do most of the Swedish clubs, in your opinion, have kind of a decent handle on on the digital marketing and stuff like that? I kind of thought with the European clubs being so much older than the clubs here, maybe that would be something that they kind of came to slower, but I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say so. No, I mean, there's... Well, obviously, I mean, the, the, the websites contain all the information you need, which is obviously a step up from Thailand. Um, <laughs> um, I think most clubs are... They have a pretty solid online presence, um, use different you know different platforms uh, but some some aspects of that is also like centralized like you have uh, Swedish leagues have built its own like IT infrastructure so for example all the clubs have their own individual applications where you can get all the information like mobile apps and, but those are produced by Swedish leagues. The clubs don't make them themselves. It's just exactly the same app. Swedish leagues produces it and puts it online. And then it's just, you know, the clubs have to provide the information specific to them, but they don't actually make the apps. The apps are the same for every club. It's that sounds app. really good. So so yeah. you're a fan of of Port, for example. You download the Port app and that's got all of the, I guess, the squad info, the fixture info. Yeah, yeah, that sounds all, really good. Yeah, all of all of that, and like you get all the live, the live updates, uh, and you get like yeah, all the all the latest information. You get highlights and stuff like that in the app. So it's really simple. It's really easy to to follow the clubs. Like, um, I was going to say, it doesn't is, seem like it would be that difficult to put together. Well, I mean, building building the infrastructure was probably the biggest part and a very, very costly process. Like they invested heavily in building this whole platform. And it's not only for the apps, like there there's it could you could just all the information is in one place, not only for applications, but everything is centralized and like the clubs can get help setting up, you know, their web websites via this platform if they don't have a good platform already and everything. Um, so it's I I think there's a lot more cooperation between the clubs. Like there's a, there's an idea of the common good. Like yeah. To stay competitive, we need to work together. 
we compete against each other in the league, but we need to stay, you know, we need to work together to maintain our competitiveness internationally. And what I was thinking is that that kind of just means that no matter how badly an organization is run, <laughs> there will at least be a kind of decent bare minimum of information out there for the fans. So it's kind of like, yeah, just giving the clubs that little bit of security to fall back on where if they do muck up whatever, you know, there's still this kind of basic infrastructure there for them. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's been like, there's, there's other platforms that existed before this where all the information was available anyway. Like there's, there's a, a like in, a national like athletics or sports platform where everything was available anyway but now it's been made more uh, more accessible yeah I guess like the the level of bad that I kind of expect from Thai clubs is just unimaginable <laughs> in in European yeah. leagues because yeah because the clubs are are so well run relatively so maybe I'm just like I'm just thinking of how terrible things could be, and there's no way <laughs> yeah. they could be that bad in in Sweden. Yeah, and I mean, but there, and, and obviously, but there, I mean, there's a whole licensing system. Like, you know, the clubs they need to, they need to, you know, be, you know, they they can't run too big losses or anything because then they lose the license and they can't stay in the professional leagues. And ha- have there been any examples of uh, licenses changing hands? Can you buy licenses or? move licenses or anything like that uh yes there has there has been uh there's there was one club that was uh pulled up and, and moved um and kind of it was a merger between two clubs and then that club moved to different cities there's been two cases in recent years where clubs have actually moved from from one city to another uh for for different reasons um one of them moved from from well quite far uh, from to uh, from well not going to get into Swedish geography, but sure. <laughs> they they moved quite far. They they're not playing anywhere near where they are, they're actually from, which is kind of weird because the the place where they're from is in their name, but the the club has moved. But that was you know they 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 pretty much said that was because. The, the the local council wouldn't they wouldn't upgrade the stadium to you know allow them to play in the top divisions mm, okay. and in the end they said we can't well, we can't stay here because we can't do it ourselves we don't own the stadium the the, the the council owns the stadium and they won't upgrade it so we can't play there and yeah. then instead of moving to another local stadium they just changed cities where they felt they got a better deal with the council yeah it's obviously a very difficult situation in thailand but obviously we've had loads of clubs um buying and selling licenses moving teams around from one place to another it's i think in the current situation with covid having had such a catastrophic effect on the economy here and particularly on sports because we're still um more than two months away from restarting the league I, i think that kind of situation where two clubs merge um might be starting to happen in the next few few weeks and months because there's no way that all of these clubs in T3 and T4 can be surviving, particularly when there are two clubs in one one town or one city, and and a kind of yeah merging those would make a lot of sense in in some situations. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, like I said, that's happened before. Uh, merging clubs has not been a big issue. It's, you know, people haven't, because it's not been big clubs with a big following that's been merging. So yeah. it's not, it's, that, that's never been a real issue in Sweden. You know, smaller clubs, usually like with big, probably with more youth uh, operations have merged to become, you know, kind of they're competing with each other when they, they, it makes no sense for them to be doing that. Um, but people have, you know, not been happy about clubs actually moving from one town to another. Yeah, sure. Uh, like the fans don't appreciate that, like how we 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 felt about uh, Paria moving to Samutpukan, you know, because that's pretty much been unheard of in Sweden before. So that's not been a very popular thing among, amongst fans. Um, but I mean, well, this wasn't in Sweden, but you know, I mean, looking in Denmark, FC Copenhagen was that was a merging of two Copenhagen clubs. One of them was, you know, was a big, well, two pretty big clubs in Copenhagen merged, became FC Copenhagen, and that's, I mean, that's a massive football club now. Well, I think if you go back historically um, through English football as well, so any, it's, any club I mean, with United in the name right. is probably a merging of two clubs i'd imagine yeah <laughs> i think i think that's what united yeah. in the name actually means is that it's two yeah. two clubs or two organizations joining together so i think historically yeah, it probably. probably has happened a lot it's just in yeah. modern times it's been much yeah. much more rare yeah i think i i think there's some aspects of like when 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 fans like to talk about like against modern football some of the things they're actually protesting is like it's not it's not uncommon historically like these are things that have happened like clubs in england changing badges that's i mean that's been going on forever now people say oh you can't change your badge that's sacrilegious and it's like well they've changed it 10 times throughout their history that's yeah. just part of the process and with um, thailand being such a young league relatively yeah. i mean these these kind of things are a natural part of of growing and finding finding what you are as a league because we i mean with thailand being such a different country in in every imaginable way obviously the league isn't going to be uh, the the ideal way for it to function probably isn't the same as the way the premier league functions or the swedish league functions and no, obviously we're I still in I the process of function of finding out what the best way it could run is. We're certainly not there yet. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's still a young teenager of a football league finding its way. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's, um, like I said, no, it, I don't think it could function the way European football does. Just for the, for, for the quite... You know, basic reason that the clubs in Europe have been, you know, most of them have been around for such a long time, and you know, they have a different, you know, they, they have different, they have different roots in their local community. Apart from like, as well, what 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 we like to talk about with Port, like for as a European football fan, that you actually feel that it's connected to lo its local community, um, in a way that you, well, you don't find very much of in Thailand, but to us, it feels kind of like home because that's, you know, that's what a football club is. It represents its area. So I, yeah, exactly. I don't, think we, can, I don't one, think we can expect Thai football to work like that. Yeah. The one thing that I don't think Port or 
basically any Thai clubs have that a lot of the European clubs do have is um, the ability to to run itself as a business at an actual profit or, or at least to be able to lose um, a small enough amount of money to remain viable as a club. I think most clubs in Thailand have never had to do that because they've always just been financed by big money owners since their inception. And the port, I mean, port, if the port authority had continued running the club, we definitely wouldn't be in third place in T1. We probably wouldn't even still be in T1. And we'd have had a lot of financial difficulties. So it is, yeah, we do still have obviously that, that connection with the fans, but there's also, we, we haven't really developed the infrastructure of the club in terms of having a decent youth set up in terms of being able to run the club as a as a profit making business and all that kind of stuff so we're we're part of the way there but yeah and i mean that's i think that's that's a big issue that Thai football will have to deal with eventually because like the way they, the way a lot of clubs, well, some clubs are, are just vanity projects. Um, <laughs> not mentioning any names. <laughs> no, I'm not mentioning any specific colours that we're wearing at the moment. No, um, <laughs> no, I think, and, and like, but I think like what what like what, what Buran has been doing with, obviously, they're not making any money of what they're doing. But it seems to me they, as well as well as, as um, Wang Tong, unfortunately, have been fairly successful in doing is building an actual base that they could rely on in the future. You know, when you know when if and when Thai football is no more funded by you know just being just publicity projects. They, yeah, they actually have something to build on. They have a fan base, a local fan base, uh, like Port does, but Port has not been very successful in actually making anything of that. Exactly. And, and the process Mung Tong have been going through over the last couple of months obviously isn't very nice for the fans, but for the long-term future of the club, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe they'll end up uh, gaining from it. But... um. Going back to what we were talking about before, um, in a in a previous podcast, myself and uh, James, we talked about the like the English language football content on various digital platforms. Uh, so, um, obviously, almost all of the content is in Thai. Um, from what I can tell, most of the engagement for clubs comes on Facebook, uh, Instagram. There are a lot of followers and a lot of engagement as well. As you mentioned earlier, websites are. Let's say, uh, let's say hit and miss. Let's be kind. And uh, Twitter is barely used. One interesting thing, which which has only come up in the last, I want to say the last month or so, is that like TikTok has suddenly become a massive thing. And uh, Buriram have got a new TikTok account, which uh, I advise people to go and have a look at. It's pretty funny. Um, so, are Swedish clubs using the same kind of strategies, the same kind of platforms to to engage with their fans? Well, I've not heard about any club using TikTok. I don't think that I, I don't think that TikTok has had that kind of impact in Sweden yet. I think it's big with teenagers, but it hasn't like it hasn't been established. 
uh, with you know and, and you know throughout the age groups. I don't I, maybe maybe a few clubs have set up accounts. I haven't I haven't seen it, but I mean the the clubs here they use they use the big the, the big social media platforms. I mean like I mentioned they 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 have their web pages that work that actually has all the information and are up to up to date, but then they use all of them use Instagram pretty much and because Instagram is you know it's it's very easy to just you know post photos and everything so it's it, i mean it's it's a very very convenient way of communicating but most of the clubs most of the clubs use twitter to a diff, you know but to different extents like some some are very active on twitter like some clubs you can follow the full games on twitter like live live updates and some just posts some things on and off um, i they all, and, I mean, they all have Facebook accounts. Facebook is, I mean, similarly to to Instagram, it's very easy, like, to to just have that kind of flow of information to come come out of the club over Facebook, and and, and Facebook is obviously, you know, more more well established throughout different generations yeah. still. Um, so I was actually when I was working today, and I was you know looking through like the clubs in the second division like how they communicate some of the campaigns we're working on uh, i felt like well some of the clubs are very much like tight clubs they're putting most of their information on, on facebook like all the basic information and like articles and stuff are on the web pages but you know everything is posted on facebook um so yeah there's similarities i think i think facebook and instagram is very well suited for the purpose. Um, yeah, I feel like for the fans that don't use that, because obviously there are some people who are just complete Luddites who won't go on the internet at all, you know, don't even have social media yeah. accounts. I think for those people at, at old clubs, old European clubs, they've been finding out information one way or another for decades already. Yeah. And, and they won't be as attracted to the idea of getting all this extra content on social media. There probably might just be people who, who turn up to the game every week, no matter what, and just have a beer with their old mates outside the ground or, you know, whatever it is. And uh, yeah, not, not everyone needs that kind of engagement with particularly with these clubs with so much history and, and supporters who have been there for decades and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so this, yeah, I mean, I've been having a little bit of a go earlier, but I do think that some clubs in Thailand do a decent job with, with digital marketing across various platforms. Do you think there are any positive examples that you can, uh, you can think of that Swedish clubs could learn from Thailand, maybe? Well, I mean, it's, it's often hard for me because most of the information is in Thai. So I'm, I'm, I'm not really, I mean, I, I follow the accounts, but... I, I'm not sure what they're actually saying all the time, you know. Sure. Look, at, I'm seeing the pictures, but I'm, I'm not sure what they're doing. But I mean, you and James were talking about uh, the the that, uh, Buram initiative with selling selling shirts, having the players sell shirts, um, which I mean that that was pretty impressive. It's it's very creative. I'm not sure that specific example would work in Sweden because there's. I don't think there's any club in Sweden that could sell remotely close to the number of shirts that Buram is are, are selling. Mm. I mean, there, there's about there's about six or seven 
people in Thailand for every person in Sweden, and you have a number of major clubs. So the 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 fans are split up in a very different way. Where you know sometimes it feels. I mean, traveling around Thailand and you see all these Buram shirts. It's you know half of them couldn't possibly support Buram. They just have the <laughs> shirts, and yeah. you know. So I mean. I mean, yeah, it's a very interesting initiative that could possibly be translated in in some other form. You know, specifically having players sell shirts with their name on the back. Every you know, each player isn't going to sell many shirts. It's not you know, it's you know, it could be you know a one-off maybe, but you know, it's still it shows that. But once again, that's Buram. They, I mean, they're kind of ahead of the of the curve. Well, well, exactly. Most the the fact that, as you said, that you just see all these shirts everywhere and and there's no way all of those people can be Buram supporters. That's a product of the fact that they have done kind of different versions of this this kind of initiative before and it's worked really well. And, and things yeah. like um, giving away shirts to anyone who buys a season ticket, things like saying that anyone who wears a shirt can get into the game for free. Those were two things they've done before and the latest one of of selling discount shirts with the player names through through these players yeah. social media accounts yeah it's brilliant um yeah and that's and, what's going to continue to put them in that kind of in that dominant position in terms of how many people are giving them free advertising which is what yeah. people are doing when they wear your shirt yeah and i mean well and 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 well i mean buram the from what what I gather, they actually, I mean, they actually make their own shirts. They actually produce them themselves, which obviously no club in Sweden have their own brand making their own shirts. I mean, that's something you can you can do if you're based in Southeast Asia. It's yeah. probably a lot easier to set that whole operation up. I mean, you're going to set up a, a club in Sweden aren't going to set up their own factory making football shirts because no one could afford to buy those shirts and they could definitely not afford to give them away <laughs> yeah. or sell them at a discount price. So I think it's very different because obviously in Sweden, you know, you have shirt sponsors and they sell the shirts. They pay to sell all the shirts, just like with the big clubs in England. Like yeah. people talk about, when people talk about, you buy that player, you make that money back selling shirts. Well, no, you, you don't make that money back selling shirts because Adidas may may make some money selling shirts. You're not going to make any money selling those shirts because they already paid you to sell all your shirts. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess ultimately the the value of a, of sponsorship can increase the more you sell shirts. But that's a very yeah. indirect way of of making back that money. If yeah, as you yeah, say, you do yeah, exactly. Money. You're not making yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, the, I mean the, this. I mean, the conditions are very different. Uh, so it's going to be hard to find ways where Swedish and, and Thai clubs can work in the exact, exact same way. But obviously there's going to be some some instances where you can find inspiration. Um, um, like I said, that, that, that was pretty impressive. Like, and it's, it's a very smart way of, of, especially with the current situation of actually not only selling shirts, but also engaging the fans having direct contact between your players and your fans. It's, it's, that, that was quite impressive. There was a brilliant picture of uh, Sasalak um, 
shirtless on his Instagram post with a receipt wrapped around his neck, which seemed to be about four meters long. <laughs> Obviously, which was all of the shirts that he'd that he'd helped himself. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, really interesting idea. And obviously, us, we are the ultimate example of, of a club who could learn from that. <laughs> so much potential yeah. and, and so yeah, little. A very, <laughs> there's a very un, you know, underutilized <laughs> fan base in general. Entire, I don't know, it, you know, with Thai Port. It's just, yeah, the, 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 the things uh, a shrewd marketer could do. Well, let's I let's bought, talk about that a little bit because presumably marketing plays a role in in what you're doing now, and and we are terrible at it. So, what what do you think the basics are of of marketing a football club that that Port should be implementing? Would you would you start with the kind of digital channels, or would you do physical advertisements, or what do you think? No, I mean, I definitely go with digital. I mean, like in Thailand, I think there's a reason all, all the clubs are very active on Facebook is because Thai people in general are very active on Facebook. Uh, and I mean, mark, marketing online, the, I mean, the, 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 the return for, for the investment is so much higher than, you know, putting up billboards that cost a fortune, you know, in Bangkok putting up billboards in, you know, competing with multinational companies that are advertising on those billboards. I mean, that's, yeah, I don't think that's going to get you much, you, you know, you're not going to make any money off that. You're not going to turn, turn a profit that way. I think it's, you know, the online and the local, I mean, obviously in, in the case of pool, sure, locally you can do it now around Klong You can probably get a lot of advertisement in, um, I think with the club being so obviously well known in Klongte, you wouldn't yeah. get much out of doing it in some areas, but you would in others. So if you yeah. if you go over to to the Sukhumvit kind of side of Klongte, and you put up a few adverts there, maybe that would reach certainly some foreigners. Who I mean, we've heard stories so many times of people who have been going around Sukhumvit around that area for years and years and never knew the club existed. Yeah. And maybe if they had seen some kind of physical billboards or advertisements, they would have known about the club. But as you say, that's maybe not going to pay for itself. It, getting a no. few extra people coming to the games maybe isn't yeah, going to be that, worth yeah. the outlay of yeah, um, whatever it would cost. Yeah, because I was just going to say, like, off the top of my head, what would work would be just to announce, like, put up advertisement for this is the next game or these are the next five games, dates and times. Like come and watch us. Problem is, Port. I mean, the pad, the the pad. It you know it's too small, so it's full enough anyway. So putting up those billboards or just local posters, the cost of that with the amount of people you could you know you Port can't raise their their average attendance by enough anyway. Like even if the stadium's full for every game of the season. You, you know, it's going to be too expensive advertising in that way to make it for every game of the season. So I think it's, yeah, it's probably a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a conundrum. I think Porto kind of, are kind of limited by the size of the stadium, um, especially having reduced the capacity willingly for some reason. 
um, it's going to be a very difficult way of doing it. And therefore, I think for Port, it, it would have to be about you know pushing more merch. That's yeah, that's what I was the kind of conclusion I was coming to as well because yeah, getting people to wear as as I said earlier, getting people to wear your shirts is yeah. a kind of free advertising. And at the moment, basically, we've just outsourced that to our own fans. <laughs> that that means the club doesn't make <laughs> yeah. the money. Yeah, some of our some of our no, more no. entrepreneurial fans do, but it's exactly and the, the you know what they should do is you know, find out who's making these shirts and hire them to make the shirts for the club. Absolutely. Because obviously people want them. I mean, I buy, you and me, we buy the shirts as well. We buy this stuff and we would buy it from the club if they were producing it, but they're not. It's only fans. So, you know, it's, you know, you, you pretty much have people conducting their own interviews by just showing that they're actually making stuff for the club that people would want to buy. So why not just sign them on and have them do it and then make the money from the from the from the actual products because well i mean we have the club shop which is i mean it's just it's there it's perfectly located in Klontoy, just by the stadium you could sell a shitload of stuff on match days and you could sell stuff every day of the week if people actually knew that it's there and if it actually had stuff worth buying in it yeah and if it was open at the normal time yeah. shops are open <laughs> yeah exactly and it's just it's 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 baffling that they're not doing anything with it like it's seems like such such a you know petite effort to actually to actually get that shop running yeah and you could just you know you could advertise for the shop you could put up posters around the area just saying that the shop is there and we carry the actual shirts and you know and well we're selling the new shirt maybe not by round three of the new season but actually around the turn of you know around new year we start <laughs> selling the new shirt in our own club shop you know that that would probably you know go some some way of in, in, you know improving on the, on the commercial value of port because it's there they're just not making anything of it yeah, definitely. And and not just the shirts, but you need to have kind of other alternatives of things people can wear as well. Where, I mean, because our fan base isn't um, a particularly wealthy group of people, you want to be selling, you know, 200 baht shirts with the name yeah. of the team on it that people can wear and just, and yeah, and be free advertising boards essentially for the club. That's That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you're saying, like actually having people wear your 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 shirts or your scarves or or, or whatever, it's free advertising. You're you're showing, and like, you have all the sponsorship logos. You're actually increasing the value of of your sponsorships. If you're showing that we're selling all these shirts, like you said, with Buran, we're selling all these shirts that makes that makes it more valuable to our, for our Asia to actually put their logo on our shirt. Yeah. I think the, the brand at Port, I find really interesting now. I think it's getting to this kind of weird place. Uh, like, I'm not sure anything like this exists in Sweden, but with Port, the club now is almost like indistinguishable from Wong Tai Insurance, from 
the company that Madame Pang, our owner, also owns. And yeah. it, it extends to to a really kind of confusing, weird place where the contracts of the players and a lot of the staff are shared between the club and her company. Obviously, her MTI logos are, are plastered all over the pair of us now, <laughs> the stadium, the players, everything at Port. Um, oh, recently, it was so cringeworthy, but the, the players actually had to train with these white T-shirts on, which had Pang's new, well, not, yeah, like MTI's new marketing slogan on it, which is Chua Pang, <laughs> trust Pang. And that's all over Thailand at the moment. So so it's like the club and her business are, are completely indistinguishable. The thing about it is she's so well-liked and she really is. I mean, she doesn't get the most favorable <laughs> commentary on uh, on this podcast and, and through the sandpit, but we are not at all representative of the poor fan base as a whole. She is very, very widely liked and respected, um, not just by Port fans, but across Thailand. And so my kind of question is, is her association with Port in that respect a win-win? Or do you think there is a a problem, like a problem with having this kind of really close relationship which revolves around an individual personality like her? Well, I think there's always a problem being completely reliant on one person because you know you you know you run the risk of, of, of her not being interested one day and yeah well then the clubs just on the shit but i think at the moment i mean it's hard to say i mean it's obviously obviously in in, in the sporting sense port are way better off now than they would have been without her so it's a win-win, you know, in that sense, you could, you know, Port wouldn't be competing, like you said earlier, if the Port Authority was still running the club, it would be nowhere near, you know, the, the, the force it is now. And I think, I, I mean, it's, it's difficult because that's, that's the way Thai football works. Like you need someone to back you. Because you're not gonna you're not gonna fund your own. If you if you want to compete, you're not gonna fund it by gate receipts. No, it's not gonna happen. And and as I was saying before, I mean, putting aside my own personal feelings about about her, you couldn't have a be- better ambassador for the club. No, you you no, really I mean, couldn't. I mean, in terms of her popularity no, with the with the wider public. And if we think about this in in the context of Clonter as well, where a lot of people won't come to watch Port um, because of the reputation Klongte has. And you know, maybe she is actually the perfect person to, uh, I don't want to, oh, it sounds so horrible, but, but like to rehabilitate the image of, of Klongte. It's not, I don't like that idea. In fact, I hate that idea. But again, putting my own personal feelings about her aside, she probably has done more than anyone else to to change the idea of, of Guangte through the constant, constant tying together of her image and the club. It's like yeah. whenever, whenever she does her adverts through MTI, that's also marketing the club. And when she markets the club, it's obviously also marketing MTI. 
So, so yeah, it's a really confusing situation. Like you, I think that the the idea that she gets bored of the club and leaves is not like a possibility. It's it's an inevitability at a certain point. The question is how that happens, how it's handled, and it could end up that through her having raised the profile of the club and, like I say, maybe maybe started moving the image in a different direction. Maybe the club is makes it easier for us to find new buyers or or attract different investment. And imagine if she, at the end of her five years that, that we're in the middle of now, if she then finds another buyer who who also invests in the club. In that context, her association with Port will have been unambiguously positive. Yeah, I mean, like, if 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 she raises the, the 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 value of the club to the point where someone else wants to come in and continue investing in, you know, a similar fashion to her, but without being involved in the same way with things that you should leave to other people, then yeah, definitely. Obviously, I mean, that's the, the question, dream scenario. But the worst yeah. scenario is that she pulls out at a certain point and the club is saddled with contracts that the port authority itself has absolutely no way in hell of ever paying yeah. for. I mean, the, the wage yeah. bill we have at the moment would basically send us into T4 instantly because we wouldn't be able to pay the players. We would get kicked out of T1 and yeah, we we just drop like a stone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think it's it's also difficult to 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 evaluate the what, what you said about like her face associated with the club. It creates a positive image. Uh, the problem is to me then is 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 that a step in 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 the refurbishing of not only the image of, of Long type but the actual area, because I mean. There's there's things that go way beyond football now in Clontoy with trying you know trying to get people to move out because we need to build new malls we need to build new high rises and this is very central in Bangkok so we should you know get all these get all these uh, these poor people out and build build new expensive condominiums and new malls in this area and. Which is she then becoming the face of that? She's, you know, getting a more positive image of the area of Klongtoy. Well, yeah, and then thus attracting <laughs> investors who want to change the face of Klongtoy. I think that that's a really, really powerful point. I, I hadn't thought about it from that from that perspective. You're absolutely right. Yeah, in that sense, she's kind of the symbol of the forces that could eventually move Port away from. Because obviously our stadium is in a pretty prime spot in terms of uh, the value of the land it's on. And it's not turning profit in the way that a big mall or the 87 millionth condo would be <laughs> in the same no. place. So you're absolutely right that, yeah, it's it's a very complex situation. Yeah, I mean, the 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 the, 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 the pack could potentially be 
a stadium that does create that kind of value. But that would require building a completely new stadium. Yeah, not in its current form. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. You'd have to build a modern stadium, a multi, you know, modern multi-purpose stadium. It doesn't have to necessarily be with running tracks, but it has to be suited for for bigger events, concerts, and stuff like that. Yeah. But building that kind of stadium in that area, that means the area is going to transform rapidly around it. So. I think that's. I mean, I haven't. I haven't thought about it. You know, much more in depth than this. But I think it's. It's. I mean, it's. That would be. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. I like the the path the way it is. I. I mean, I don't. I don't mind it being small and intimate. It would be nice if we could fit fifteen thousand people in there for a big game, obviously. And again not reduce capacity at the start of the season when we we're supposed to be fighting for a title but actually increasing capacity a bit without changing the face of the stadium would have been you know a much much better way to go which is you know putting all these seats in for one international game yeah and i think but another I think, another point to kind of play devil's advocate with what i said before is like redefining the image of Klong Tui, does that change what Port is as a club in a way which is actually good? Like like Port's image of being this kind of slum team is Port's image. And whether or not that's kind of good in terms of attracting more people, it also just is who we are as a club and and do we want to change that for the sake of maybe attracting more middle-class fans who at the end of the day aren't um the fans that that make the atmosphere at pat so good so, so there's a question of whether or not rehabilitating Kong Toy's image in order to bring in a different kind of fan is actually good for us as well yeah i it's a good question um well, I mean, obviously, I, I, I don't want to change the image of Paul. You know, I, I don't, I, I, I'd like it to be a positive image of the club in general, but I don't, I don't want to change the image of the club as, a, as, uh, as this very local club where, you know, everyone, everyone can go. I, I want it to be, I want it to be, you know, a club that reflects what Clung Toy has been. And what it is, but look, I mean, getting back to what they're actually doing with with the you know the the, the popularity of the club in terms of, or, or rather not doing with the popularity of the club. It seems, I mean, they don't seem to be too interested in creating all of these things that you know the middle class would want to want to follow because then you would be looking. At improving your 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 whole merchandise situation, your whole you know the infrastructure around the club is basically. I mean, it seems that, which is also you know an indication that you know sooner rather than later she's gonna you know either just let it go or sell it to someone else because otherwise she would probably be investing in these other things. It's it still it looks short term what she's doing. She's just 100%. you know paying. You know, everything is going into to buying players and paying high wages. 
And that's it. So obviously she's not looking at, you know, building the club up from the ground. She's just trying to build a winning team. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's, she's definitely it. not looking at it in the way that is the best for Port's um, long-term uh, benefit as, as a club. Yeah. Unless, as I say, she does end up um, raising the profile and then selling it off to someone else who, who maybe does have that kind of idea, that kind of vision for the club. But that's a, just a complete hypothetical and a dream yeah. scenario. Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about selling it off, but she's if she was interested in that, I mean, she would have bought the club. It couldn't be too expensive. I mean, considering the you know the the, the amount, <laughs> amount of money she can she has, she would have bought the club. It couldn't be very expensive to buy it out from um, from you know easily. Port Authority. Very, I, mean, very they, easily. I mean, yeah, they 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 would be willing to strike a deal. They're not going to be too tough at the negotiation table around selling Thai Port to her. So if she wanted to, to do it, she would have bought it already. I mean, it's good that she actually extended the lease, but the, the, I mean, the, the, the whole idea of actually leasing a football club is is kind of bizarre in, in itself. It's bizarre. And we don't know all the reasons you know, why, she, why she did that. Obviously, the more kind of cynical narrative around Madame Pang's involvement with Port to start with is that she she intended to kind of raise her profile so that she could uh, run for political office and with the yeah. coup removing her ability to do that maybe she needed to extend her lease on the club well, just to keep that uh, possibility in place yeah the plan was kind of put on hold probably but no I, I mean you're at, at the start of this this this, um, this topic, you asked. I mean, you know, if you could see something similar in Sweden, and well, no, you can't because no, in Sweden it's still in Sweden. You you have the the same rule as you have in German football, where fifty one percent of of the votes are always controlled by the members of the club. Even even with you know, some clubs are are, are publicly traded companies in Sweden. But only forty-nine percent of the share is actually available for purchase because fifty-one percent is owned by the supporters' trust or the members. Yeah. Um, that always make one vote at a conference. So, like, if, you know, if if it's if it's fifty-one percent of the fans will votes one way, then fifty-one percent of the club goes that way, and. And therefore, you ca you can't get this in Sweden. You can get it in, in other European countries, but you can't get it in Sweden, obviously. Um, but I think once again that that's just yeah, that's tight football, and you know you just have to deal with that situation. And currently, you know, I I, I don't know. I don't want I I, I I don't want it to change. I don't want I don't want uh, Klong toy to change obviously i would like for the area to to you know be better for the people living there uh, but i don't want the people living there to be substituted exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like yeah uh, it kind of like at the moment it's just like no let's let's enjoy the ride <laughs> absolutely and i think that's always the prevailing attitude yeah. of Thai people in general and and definitely port fans where 
this isn't a conversation that, that you hear often between Thai fans. It's not even a, a conversation you hear particularly often between foreign fans. It's We are in a situation where we're flying high. Um, we've got, I mean, certainly some of the transfer news we've been hearing over the last 24 hours. Maybe we've got a chance of, a really big chance of winning the league. Maybe we're favourites, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and there's definitely a, a very good case for enjoying it while it lasts. <laughs> yeah. and not worrying too much about the future that that's definitely the the Thai way to approach the situation yeah okay so as i as i mentioned before we're going to be restarting in september here and along with obviously we've had a long break along with that the fat's plan is to switch kind of to the european timeline for the league so uh, what do you think about that good idea bad idea I, I don't. I don't get it. Like, I don't know why we would like Thai football would choose to be on a different calendar than the rest of Asia. I just saw, I think yesterday, about the A League switching in the opposite direction. They're going to sync with the rest of Asia because they're part they of the AFC. The, yeah, they, they play. play the yeah, so they should play at the same time and like. I mean, Thailand, I mean, you can play football pretty much all year round. There's obviously seasons where it's going to be games cancelled due to heavy rain. But it's always hot, it's always humid. doesn't change in that sense, really. And no, I, I don't really get why it would be on the European calendar. Yeah. Like, because it's not, I mean, there's no connection to Europe. So... Yeah, I'm not sure I really understand the kind of full implications of of how it's going to affect various things. I, I really don't know what to think about it. I think like, let's just wait and see, and hopefully it won't be a complete train wreck. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're also going to be restarting in September without fans. So what do you think about that? Where do you stand on whether or not it should restart without fans? I, I think, I mean, it's, no one wants to play with our fans, obviously. No one wants it, but it's kind of like just reached the point where, where you have to. I know that, I mean, Swedish football just restarted with our fans. Some people are complaining about it. I just feel like if you could have fans there, you would. Now we can't because, well, it's out of everyone's hands at the moment. Yeah, you're right. And it's not. It's not really a choice, is it? I mean, Thai, Thai football, you know, for better or worse, not. It's you know, playing without fans isn't going to be a big hit because of the way the football works. Financially, it's not going to be a big hit. You know, even the clubs that do have high attendance numbers, you know, they're, they're, it's not their main income anyway. Um. It's you know it's much worse for some of the clubs in Sweden. Some of the you know some of the big clubs in Sweden are very reliant on people actually coming to the games, and now they sure. can't. But we still have to play because if we don't, you know, there's no money coming in whatsoever, and clubs are going to go under. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the, I mean, is it either play without fans or having half half the league just vanish and having to restart? You know, trying to figure that situation out. Yeah, so, no, I think that, that like I said, it's pretty much, it's a necessary evil 
like football it's it's not as fun without fans i mean no one would say this no one would you know and obviously you know you you want to be there you want to be at the games and i see some i see a lot of people saying oh, I, I i can't even watch it but i mean i've watched tons of games where the the the, the stadium's been empty for one reason or another like people you know teams get punished and have to play behind closed doors and you know usually usually it doesn't have this this effect on the games as i think it's had this time but i think you have to take into account the fact that you know teams just had to start up again you know without any proper preseason there's been no friendlies there you know in english football in swedish football yeah it looks different looks like like you know holiday football training games but you I have think, to give them a chance to actually find their form within yeah. the current situation. Yeah, I think with the with Port, we've we've been banned several times. Our fans have been banned from going to watch games for for various reasons, and so we've watched several. I mean, Port versus Mungton games with no fans, um, and I think it's actually really good fun sometimes to just bring a kind of gang of people. I mean, we normally go to sportsmen, bring a gang of people to the sportsmen. We end up, I mean, you don't care whether or not there's crowd noise. If you're with a group of 10, 15 people who are talking and shouting for most of the game anyway. And uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be okay. Obviously it's not ideal, um, but hopefully we'll be able to get a group of people together you know, watching watching alongside other fans is obviously the best uh, the best way that we as fans can deal with there not being a crowd. Yeah. So, so hopefully we can do that. How about you? Obviously, you can't do that. You're in Sweden. Will, will you be able to watch any of the action when it does restart? Well, like, um, yeah, hopefully I'll find good, sources online <laughs> yeah to watch the games i mean I'm, I'm just i've been i've been back home during seasons before and watched games online and you know sometimes you get a you know get a shitty stream and it, you know buffers and you know sometimes you find a really good source it's just it's just going to be like that <laughs> I, i'm going to still I, I i don't think it's going to be too difficult finding streams for the games they're, they're usually up online yeah. but um it's obviously not as good as being in thailand and actually having the subscription television television subscription where you can actually watch the games yeah so what what's it like generally as a, a kind of port fan in exile well yeah it's it's obviously different now i mean i well, i i was in thailand for the, the the last Thai pool game it was the Buriram away game. I was still in Thailand when yeah. that game was played, so I haven't, I haven't, but well, I haven't missed any games since I went back home. But I did spend uh, what's that about two years ago? I spent six months at home and watched half the season from here. And yeah, it's obviously very different because the games are played midday. Mm, yeah, and kickoff is around noon. Swedish time, which is nice. On the weekend, it's nice to 
sit down and watch the game. If you're not going to the game anyway, it's nice to sit down and watch it midday. Um, obviously, harder to watch midweek games if kickoff is one o'clock. At the moment, everyone's working from home, so I'll still be able to watch games. I'll just put it on while I'm working. But it's going to be uh, it's, it, that's going to be different. When when I was back home for six months, I was on parental leave, so I was I wasn't working. I could watch the games. Uh, as much as, as uh, a small child allows you to actually sit <laughs> and <laughs> watch the game, but it's yeah, it's different because especially especially you know to me living in Thailand, you know, Port was has not only been watching, you know, not only been following the football team has been you know very very important. It's been key to my social life to go to the games and you know meet meet up with my mates and go to football um and losing that it's of course it's it's, it's different because uh, yeah i'm i'm just watching from home by my lonesome um i don't think it's you know i don't think it's less um i don't get less consumed by the games i mean i've 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 grown up in sweden and I've been an Arsenal fan all my life. I've not been to that many Arsenal games, but that that never meant I cared any less watching them play. So yeah. I mean, I'm used to it. Like I'm used to following from a distance. So to me, it's just nice. It's, it's nice to have games that are played on. You know, it's games that I actually care about are played during different hours of the of the day. It just gives me chance to watch more football that I actually care about. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Okay, so I thought to uh to wrap up today's podcast, I I I made a what I thought was quite an interesting observation earlier today. Since the arrival of our twins, uh Titawi and Titatorn, we're now in a situation where for like a, a weird traditionalist like me it seems really cool that we can play our number one to our number 11 in terms of uh, squad numbers as an actual functioning 11. So, um, yeah, myself and Peter have both kind of prepared two port teams, one using squad numbers one to 11 and one using all the other numbers. And we're going to kind of see which team we think is best. So, uh, I'll, I'll go through my one to eleven team, and then you can go through your kind of rest of the rest of the squad team. So I thought numbers one to eleven. Obviously, number one, Watcher is in goal. We've got our new brothers at right back and left back, Titawi and Titatorn. That works perfectly. Obviously, before they arrived, we had two just kind of. Squad squad players, well, B team players with number two and three, so so it's good now that we've got the brothers there. Dollar at number four in centre back, toss upon alongside him, number six. Um, in centre midfield, we've got Go with the number eight shirt and Suarez wearing the slightly non traditional number five, although playing that kind of centre midfield role, which I've got him in in this eleven, it, it's okay. And uh, Paco on right wing. I've gone for Bodin in attacking midfield. 
I feel like he, he would do well in that position. Tanisic, left wing, and Adisak, number nine, up front. So, I mean, honestly, that's a pretty damn good T1-11, that is. Not going to find a lot of T1 teams with a, with a better 11 than that. So, how no, about... I, yeah, it's a... Go on. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I made the same setup just to, to see what we had, one through eleven, uh, the exact same formation. Um, so, but for twelve and up, I've gone with um, Ratanai and Goal. Uh, could play Warwood. Could just roll of the dice <laughs> on the day. <laughs> we always say we have three, three backup keepers at board. But I've gone with Ratanai number eighteen, and then I've I've uh, gone with a, a, a back five or a back three, depending on how you want to play with numbers. Because people usually talk about back threes. I I think no team in modern day football has ever played a back three. There's always been back fives because wing backs are defenders. You, your setup is what you have when you're defending. Going forward, if you if you count wing backs as not as fullbacks, then well, playing a back four, you're pretty much playing a back two because fullbacks attack anyway. So I've gone with a back five with Kevin and Nitipong obviously as wing backs, which works very well given the insane work rate of these two. Fullbacks. I mean, I think you know you couldn't find better wingbacks in Thai football than these two, anyway. And then uh, three centre backs with 22: Rochella, 71: Tanaboom, and 20: Addison. Um, two central well, defensive midfielders: uh, 16: Sivakorn, 31: Canarin, with his fantastic start of the season, um, and then. Playing Chapoui, it's kind of a, giving him the <laughs> the freedom to just pick out passes with Sivakorn and Canarin behind him. Um, okay. And then our two Brazilians up front, Heberti and Josimar, uh, which would make Heberti a second strike and, Jos- and, and Jossi uh, up front. Jossi obviously doesn't have a squad number at the moment, but we still agreed that he was eligible to pick because he's not out on loan or anything. He's still in the squad. He's just not registered to play at the moment. Well, well at the moment, technically, no one's registered to play because the... the I mean, no, seriously, though, the, at the moment, it's anyone can make transfers, but the squads haven't been registered yet. So Jossie's in the same position as everyone else. The squad okay. is going to be re-registered. And so, yeah, so some players will make the cut, some won't. <laughs> If Jossie doesn't, there will also be 20 other players who don't because we've got that many players <laughs> technically you know, still on the books. So, yeah, I, I actually approach mine completely differently. I, I think I'm institutionalised the Jadet to the point where I can't do anything other than pick a 4-2-3-1. <laughs> so, so I, I crowbarred in a few kind of different players. I went also Ratanai in goal. Uh, Nitty right back, Rochella and Tanaboon in the middle. Stoibler left back. And then um, Sivakorn and Canarin as my two midfielders. 
um, right wing Hebity. It, it was difficult with wingers because we we don't have the same. Um, yeah, we don't have as much depth in that in those positions as we do in in defence and midfield at the moment. Uh, Natterwood, who is one of our new arrivals, is my attacking midfielder, and I've pushed Kevin up to playing left wing because again there, there weren't that many options, um, and Kevin has played quite a bit as just an out-and-out winger and done pretty well. And that's my striker, Josima, leading the line. So either with, uh, with mine or your team, which one do you think is better? Would 1-11 to 11 or 12-and-up or win for you? I, well, I mean... <laughs> I, 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 first of all, I have to say I, I was kind of approaching it the same way at first. I was trying to, you know, do it four two three one because just you know, oh, that's how Paul plays. Like, so I was also putting Kevin in at, as a winger. But then I realised, like, I, no, let's let's get creative. And I think I, I see what you're doing. You've you've realised that Judette's obviously the manager of the one to eleven team, and, and yeah, so you've got exactly. like one one of the port coaching staff is doing yeah. your. Your weird five three two. No, I figured. I figured you know playing with you know f- f- five three two with wing backs. I figured you know we get Antonio Conte in as a loan <laughs> to coach this game. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like um, you know, given you have a manager obviously that can you know f- set up a squad like this, I think that the twelve and up would have a really good chance playing four two. Oh, sorry, five, five, three, two. Um, I mean, a couple of the players, like you said, you had to shoe on players in to get a four, four, two, three, one, and doing it like that, I think definitely one through eleven would win. Um, but I think you know, I'm, I, I actually I'm looking at both the setups now with with my setup. And the one to eleven setup that that we both picked, I think it's a really close call. Like uh, the one to one through eleven is probably a little bit better, but like getting Civicorn and Canary in, like Go and Suarez. I mean, I love both Go and Suarez, but your is is a very that you know the the the, the that team lacks balance. I feel like one, midfield. one to eleven has more of an X factor. If you're looking at like game changers, we've got Suarez, Pacon, Bodin, and Tanisit. I think all players who are capable of making a real difference in yeah. in our non in our twelve and up team, we've kind of got more solid pedestrian options when we look at Rochella, Tanabun, Sivakorn, Kanarin, Josimar. These guys. but but it's also a very solid team. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that Kevin and Nitty are in the 12 and up team, that I mean, that really balances, you know, that, that yeah. makes up for a lot of, you know, the, the quality in the first, you know, the first 11. And also, like, 1 through 11, they're relying on Adisak scoring because Suarez is deeper in the, deeper in, on the pitch. Yeah, like, true. You have, you, you have three players that can really create something but they're going to create it for Adisak. It's an all-tie front four, basically, which yeah. is unheard of and just a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, 
Yeah, but looking at that, I mean, looking at that that squad, I mean, Pack on Bowden and Tanisic in behind a foreign striker, that would be fantastic. Yeah, having like yeah, having Adisak as you know, you have to rely on Adisak, which means, and also against against the uh, three central defenders, I mean, he's going to go up against Rochella, Tanabun, and Adisal in my setup. He's going to struggle to find the space <laughs> to get get anything done with the balls coming in. It's true. I think twelve and up would have a really good shout. Yeah, I'm, because also I mean Kevin, Kevin and Nitti, you know, alone on the wings. I mean Pakon and Tanner, they're not tracking back anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you have Kevin and Nitti attacking against the new brothers. Who um, I, I, I extremely don't know solid well defensive enough. players, extremely yeah. solid defensive players. Yeah, but I tell you what, my my well, the one to eleven back four is not losing a single header, not <laughs> not a single header. Did, um, you don't think you don't think um, you don't think Josimar could win a single aerial challenge against Tosapon? Not even. No, <laughs> no. Like the, the brothers, honestly, the brothers are both six foot plus. One of them six foot two. Got Dollar yeah. at six foot five. Tossapon's the shortest, as you say, but he's also very good in the air. Go as well. Oh, monster, monster team. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. I think one through eleven would be favourites. I but think... I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm looking at two pretty evenly matched, you know, teams here. And, and also, even if you know, you... hypothetically, you'd get a decent amount of free kicks for Heverty to work with, with Suarez in defensive midfield. Um, and also, neither Go or Suarez is like, you know, you need Civicorn or Canarin because you're going to find acres of space in behind them for Heverty and, and Chapoe to pick stuff up. So yeah. I think it would be, it would be an entertaining game. And It certainly would be. I yeah. think kind of the point I was trying to make with this is that we legitimately, whether or not you split the teams up like this or if you choose your alternate first 11 and then uh, another 11 behind that, our second team, I think, would finish if you, know, if you could magically have the same 11 players play every week with no injuries in the top half of T1 easily. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I I think you know, this way it's hard to, to... I mean, the way we set it up now, I don't think either of these teams are really title contenders. No. But if, like, like you say, the, I mean, the, it, it shows the, the squad depth. Because if you just... If you just swap a couple of the players around, you'd have two sides that would be really, really strong. But either of these sides would do pretty well. And like one one through eleven would I think would still be probably, you know, top five. But I think if you take the fullbacks from yeah. twelve and up, you put them in the first team and then you change the striker. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a pretty that's definitely a team that could have a decent run at the title in a year like this yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And with like the, the, the rumours that came up, I only picked up on them today. If 
if there's any truth to that, if that was to happen, uh, well, I mean, we should. So, what room did you see? Be. You're talking about the the Hebati out. I was Hebati out and Diogo in. Yeah. I mean, if that was to happen, I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah, it's rumors. But if that was to happen, you you put yeah that that one through eleven, and you put uh, Suarez in attacking midfield and Diogo up front with Sivakorn or Canarin in central midfield and you put Kevin and Nittipong into that eleven that they should win T one. I mean that, that that team should win the tidy. I think if we get Diogo it it's almost over. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't yeah. I I shouldn't say that. But if we get Diogo <laughs> we're in my mind we're definitely favourites. Yeah. However, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think no. the the Hebity out thing could be real. But I think it's a case of two plus two equals five with Diogo. Yeah. Having said that, there will be someone in the crosshairs. I mean, Bonilla is another one I've heard who's definitely an option because he's in a situation where he's just recovered from an injury. Um, Bangkok United also have another another option there. So maybe you can sign Bonilla. Maybe he's still injured. Maybe that's a terrible idea. Um, maybe it's Diogo. Maybe it's a, a completely random wild card. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Diogo. I mean, that feels like a pipe dream. Uh, especially, I mean, JDT just signed him, and I mean, they're. Why would they let him go? I mean, they they paid a you know pretty high transfer fee to get him there and he's been doing really well so why would they let him go to, I mean how much are we going to pay them to let him go right so this is the thing I mean what I heard before from a from quite a reliable source is that the idea is that JDT wrap up the league with time to spare and then loan Diogo out with a big fat fee attached to it for the second leg of the tie league <laughs> um, well, yeah, sure, sure. If if you want to, you know, if you want to get a short-term loan for your star player and get a hefty fee for it in Southeast Asia, you would be calling Port. Absolutely. The, although, <laughs> having said that, that original story that I heard, I heard it ages ago, and it was about Bangkok Glass, not about Port. And Glass are the other big spending force in the league this year. So, yeah, yeah. I, so yeah, I think they, they the Glass link good. is probably there. And the idea that we are trying to get in on it or hijack it is probably also there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but yeah, that sounds, sounds plausible. Um, I mean, BG, like you said, but they, I mean, they, they've already been spending on foreign players. I mean, although, yeah, they they did make this weird move of building a team with two foreign centre-backs. Very interesting. Yeah. It, three three well, foreign centre-backs. The, the third is a, an ASEAN player. Yeah. Yeah but, like, yeah, but I mean, using two foreign, like, sure. open foreign play slots for centre-backs, that's... I don't know if it's been done before in Thai football, but certainly not when, with the the um, the three foreign player. No, definitely not. No. Although, and when they 
you know, when, when it happened, I, I thought like, oh, they didn't think this through. Then I was looking at their squad and well, I mean, they, they have such a, I mean, when they signed Sarash, they signed Sarash and they already have Titipan. I mean, their Thai midfield is so good that they could actually make it work. And if they are playing, if they play Victor and Tunis and then have Diogo up front, well, you can call it like with Titipan and Saraj in midfield. I mean, that that's that's it. We're, I don't, we're not I gonna, don't know. And, they still need because it's not. They're not going to have Diogo for the whole season, right? So maybe they get Diogo for one leg. Is that enough? <laughs> it's really tough. It's really tricky. And they're also I mean, very reliant on on Titipan to score a good number of goals from midfield because. Um. Yeah, because without Diogo, they don't have a big goal scorer. And their oh. wide players aren't anything to write home about either. It's uh, With their playing three at the back, they've got, they're playing wing backs. And so, yeah, the goals have to come from central midfield or from attacking midfield. And Sumania's an option there. Titipan's an option there. Are they going to score enough goals? That's the question. They're definitely going to be the best team defensively. Yeah. But do they have enough goals to win the league? Oh, possibly. I mean, if you look at that, that midfield, I mean, if they play a Thai midfield trio of Saraj, Titipan and, and um, sorry, what's his face? Sumania. Um, Sumania. Uh, I mean, Sumania and, and, and Titipan between them could rack up a decent number of goals. They've also got uh, and, Chawan. And they still have a good young player. Yeah, and, and even if even if they only would even if they they'd only get Diogo for 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 one leg, they would you know they would cruise through that leg and then they could replace him with another foreign striker that would be good enough to see through. Then again, Glass do have an unparalleled record of making a complete pig's ear of, of whatever situation they give themselves. They got relegated with a squad yeah, that should have been yeah, finishing comfortably in the top half. So Yeah, they were supposed to challenge for the title and just crashed out. It was, it was fun. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely mad, but it was good entertainment. Yeah. No, I, I think, well, I think they've, I mean, they've been making smart, smart, Business, I mean, it's clever signings this year. I think I'm not sure if I agree with really that. Good. I think they've made some really big signings, but I think the failure so far to secure that goal scorer yeah. is it is a big, big hole in the team. And yeah, I don't see uh, Tardelli firing them to the no. title. I don't. And no, no, no. The, the, that position the, the, is so the, important. The, yeah, I don't think Tardelli is good enough to do it in T1. He's, you know, fantastic player in T2, but he's he's not gonna he's not gonna get enough goals in T1. But like I said, if they get Diogo for half the season, then they would probably be looking to replace him with someone better than Tardelli for the second half of the season. So, and yeah, when I when when they signed when they signed Tunis, I was like, well, they already signed Victor. Did they just forget about that? <laughs> what happened? But then I look, and then they signed Sarash, and I was like, "Whoa!" Oh yeah, no! Stop of... it! You're do, you're doing it. You're making the mistake. You're doing the same thing, like where you see 
a club making this kind of weird move that at first doesn't make sense. And then you think, oh, no, they must have had a plan because a B no, they didn't have a plan. They're just idiots, saying, just like we are. I'm, I'm not saying they had a plan. I'm just saying <laughs> when they signed Sarash, it kind of made up for having two foreign centre-backs. Like, because obviously before that, I felt like, well, they need to get a foreign midfielder in. And they need, because if they get a really good foreign, you know, attacker midfielder in, then Tardelli could be enough. Yeah. But then, you know, looking at that midfield, if, you know, if you give those Thai players, you know, enough confidence, I mean, both you and me, we, we, we're big fans of Titipan, obviously. And Saraj, they, they don't come much better than that as defensive midfielders in T1. So... The so question like, is, you got, I think he, you need, I, mean, he, I think you need 15 goals from that attacking midfielder. Let's say, like, let's say you need a Suarez-sized contribution, maybe. And yeah. can you find that from? Because it's an it's an AFC player, right? The whole. Can you find yeah. that from an AFC player? If you can, you probably win the well, league. It could. It's going to cost you, but yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah, but BG they. I mean, they're obviously not strapped for cash, so they possibly Certainly could not. find that AFC player a duster. I mean, they could they could look to Japan or Korea and find. And they have been linked to to really Japanese international midfielder, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they. I mean, yeah, is I think I feel like there's still a lot to happen in this transfer window. Absolutely, and that's why so it's hard. It's hard I mean, to call. I mean, I was thinking about kind of making predictions, but there's no point because, yeah, there's so, so much that's undecided still at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very speculative. But, yep. Uh, sorry, I'm getting some... Oh, what's that? Yeah, we're getting some... Catching some three-year-old resonance. Uh, <laughs> No, they could, they could definitely, you know, they could definitely do it. the way. I mean, they, they, they have a really, really good. They have a really good start in building a squad. Like you said, if I mean, if they, if they swap Tardelli for someone who, you know, who's going to get fifteen plus goals, yeah, then. You know, they're they're the team to beat this year. Yep. If we get a fifteen plus goal striker, then yeah, we're probably the team to beat this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I tend to agree. It's it really is a case of wait and see what happens in the rest of the window, and then and then we'll kind of know more. Yeah. So I think on that note. Um, we're going to call it a day on today's podcast. Really pleased to talk to you again, Peter. Yeah, it's really good to see you, mate. All um, right. Good stuff. 